Matthew Henry's Commentary on the Whole Bible 1 Samuel 10 We left Samuel and Saul walking together, probably some private way over the fields down from Ramah, perhaps in the paths of the vineyards, and Saul expecting to hear from Samuel the word of God. Now here we have, 1. The anointing of Saul then and there, verse 1. The signs Samuel gave him, verses 2 to 6. And instructions, verses 7 to 8. 2. The accomplishment of those signs to the satisfaction of Saul, verses 9 to 13. 3. His return to his father's house, verses 14 to 16. 4. His public election by Lot and solemn inauguration, verses 17 to 25. 5. His return to his own city, verses 26 and 27. It is a great work that is here a doing, the setting up not only of a monarch, but of monarchy itself, in Israel, and therefore in all the advances towards it much of God is seen. Saul anointed by Samuel, Samuel's address to Saul, 1070 BC. 1 Then Samuel took a vial of oil, and poured it upon his head, and kissed him, and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? 2 When thou art departed from me today, then thou shalt find two men by Rachel's sepulchre in the border of Benjamin at Zelzah, and they will say unto thee, The asses which thou wentest to seek are found, and, lo, thy father hath left the care of the asses, and sorroweth for you, saying, What shall I do for my son? 3 Then shalt thou go on forward from thence, and thou shalt come to the plain of Tabor, and there shall meet thee three men going up to God to Bethel, one carrying three kids, and another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a bottle of wine, for, and they will salute thee, and give thee two loaves of bread, which thou shalt receive of their hands. 5 After that thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines, and it shall come to pass, when thou art come thither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with a psaltery, and a tabret, and a pipe, and a harp, before them, and they shall prophesy, six in the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shalt be turned into another man. 7 And let it be, when these signs are come unto thee, that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. 8 And thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal, and, behold, I will come down unto thee, to offer burnt offerings, and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. 7 Days shalt thou tarry, till I come to thee, and shew thee what thou shalt do. Samuel is here executing the office of a prophet, giving Saul full assurance from God that he should be king as he was afterwards, according to these prophecies which went before of him. 1. He anointed him and kissed him, verse 1. This was not done in a solemn assembly, but it was done by divine appointment, which made up the want of all external solemnities, nor was it ever the less valid for its being done in private, under a hedge or, as the Jews say, by a fountain. God's institutions are great and honorable, though the circumstances of their administration be ever so mean and despicable. One. Samuel, by anointing Saul, assured him that it was God's act to make him king, is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee? And in token of that, the high priest was anointed to his office, to signify the conferring of those gifts upon him that were requisite for the discharge of its duties, and the same was intimated in the anointing of kings, for whom God calls he qualifies, and suitable qualifications furnish good proof of a commission. These sacred unctions, then used, pointed at the great Messiah, or anointed one, the king of the church, and high priest of our profession, 
who was anointed with the oil of the Spirit, not by measure, but without measure, and above all the priests and princes of the Jewish church. It was common oil, no doubt, which Samuel used, and we read not of his blessing it or praying over it. But it was only a vial of oil that he anointed him with, the vessel brittle, because his kingdom would soon be cracked and broken, and the quantity small, because he had but little of the Spirit conferred upon him to what David had, who was therefore anointed with a horn of oil, as were Solomon and Jehu with a box of oil. 2. By kissing him, he assured him of his own approbation of the choice, not only his consent to it, but his complacency in it, though it abridged his power and eclipsed his glory, and the glory of his family. God has anointed thee, says Samuel, to be king, and I am satisfied and very well pleased, in pledge of which take this kiss. It was likewise a kiss of homage and allegiance, hereby he not only owns him to be king, but is king, and in this sense we are commanded to kiss the son, Psalm 2 verse 12. God has anointed him, and therefore we must thus acknowledge him, and do homage to him. In Samuel's explication of the ceremony, he reminds him, 1. Of the nature of the government to which he is called. He was anointed to be a captain, a commander, a commander indeed, which bespeaks honor and power, but a commander in war, which bespeaks care and toil and danger. 2. Of the origin of it, the Lord hath anointed thee. By him he ruled, and therefore must rule for him, in dependence on him, and with an eye to his glory. 3. Of the end of it. It is over his inheritance, to take care of that, protect it, and order all the affairs of it for the best, as a steward whom a great man sets over his estate, to manage it for his service, and give an account of it to him. 2. For his further satisfaction he gives him some signs, which should come to pass immediately, this very day, and they were such as would not only confirm the word of Samuel in general, and prove him a true prophet, but would confirm this word to Saul in particular, that he should be king. 1. He should presently meet with some that would bring him intelligence from home of the care his father's house was in concerning him, verse 2. These he would meet hard by Rachel's sepulchre. The first place Samuel directed him to was a sepulchre, the sepulchre of one of his ancestors, for Rachel died in travail with Benjamin there he must read a lecture of his own mortality, and now that he had a crown in his eye must think of his grave, in which all his honor would be laid in the dust. Here two men would meet him, perhaps sent on purpose to look after him, and would tell him the asses were found, and his father was in pain concerning him, saying, What shall I do for my son? He would reckon it happened well that he met with these messengers, and it is good to eye providence in favorable conjunctures, though the matter be minute, and to be encouraged to trust it in greater matters. 2. He should next meet with others going to Bethel, where, it should seem, there was a high place for religious worship, and these men were bringing their sacrifices thither, verses 3 and 4. It was a token for good to one that was designed for the government of Israel, wherever he came, to meet with people going to worship God. It is supposed that those kids and loaves, and the bottle of wine which the three men had with them, were designed for sacrifice, with the meat offerings and drink offerings that were to attend the sacrifice, Yet Samuel tells Saul that they will give him two of their loaves, and he must take them. Such a present would look to us now like the relieving of a beggar. Saul must hereafter remember the time when he received alms, and must therefore be humble and charitable to the poor. But perhaps it would then be construed a fit present for a prince, and, as such, Saul must receive it, the first present that was brought to him, by such as knew not what they did, nor why they did it but God put it into their hearts, which made it the more fit to be assigned to him.
These two loaves, which were the first tribute paid to this newly anointed king, might serve for an admonition to him not to spend the wealth of his crown in luxury, but still to be content with plain food. Bread is the staff of life. 3. The most remarkable sign of all would be his joining with a company of prophets that he should meet with, under the influence of a spirit of prophecy, which should at that time come upon him. What God works in us by His Spirit serves much more for the confirming of faith than anything wrought for us by His providence. He here, verses 5 and 6, tells him, 1. Where this would happen, at the hill of God, where there was a garrison of the Philistines, which is supposed to be near Gibeah, his own city, for there was the Philistines' garrison, chapter 13 verse 3. Perhaps it was one of the articles of Samuel's agreement with them that they should have a garrison there, or, rather, after they were subdued in the beginning of his time they got ground again, so far as to force this garrison into that place, and thence God raised up the man that should chastise them. There was a place that was called the Hill of God, because of one of the schools of the prophets built upon it, and such respect did even Philistines themselves pay to religion that a garrison of their soldiers suffered a school of God's prophets to live peaceably by them, and did not only not dislodge them, but not restrain nor disturb the public exercises of their devotion. 2. Upon what occasion, he should meet a company of prophets with music before them, prophesying, and with them he should join himself. These prophets were not, as it should seem, divinely inspired to foretell things to come, nor did God reveal himself to them by dreams and visions, but they employed themselves in the study of the law, in instructing their neighbors, and in the acts of piety, especially in praising God, wherein they were wonderfully assisted and enlarged by the Spirit of God. It was happy for Israel that they had not only prophets, but company, companies of prophets, who gave them good instructions and set them good examples, and helped very much to keep up religion among them. Now the word of the Lord was not precious, as it had been when Samuel was first raised up, who had been instrumental in founding these colleges, or religious houses, whence, it is probable, the synagogues took their rise. What a pity was it that Israel should be weary of the government of such a man, who though he had not, as a man of war, expelled the Philistines, yet, which was a greater kindness to Israel, had, as a man of God, settled the schools of the prophets. Music was then used as a proper means to dispose the mind to receive the impressions of the good spirit, as it did Elisha's, 2 Kings 3 verse 15. But we have no reason to look for the same benefit by it now, unless we saw it as effectual, as it was then in Saul's case, to drive away the evil spirit. These prophets had been at the high place, probably offering sacrifice, and now they came back singing psalms. We should come from holy ordinances with our hearts greatly enlarged in holy joy and praise. See Psalm 138 verse 5. Saul should find himself strongly moved to join with them, and should be turned thereby into another man from what he had been while he lived in a private capacity. The Spirit of God, by His ordinances, changes men, wonderfully transforms them, Saul, by praising God in the communion of saints, became another man, but whether a new man or no may be questioned. 3. He directs him to proceed in the administration of his government as providence should lead him, and as Samuel should advise him. 1. He must follow providence in ordinary cases, verse 7 Do as occasion shall serve thee. Take such measures as thy own prudence shall direct thee. But 2. In an extraordinary strait that would hereafter befall him at Gilgal, and would be the most critical juncture of all, when he would have special need of divine aids, he must wait for Samuel to come to him, and must tarry seven days in exp expectation of him, verse 8.
How his failing in this matter proved his fall we find afterwards, chapter 1311. It was now a plain intimation to him that he was upon his good behavior, and, though a king, must act under the direction of Samuel, and do as he should order him. The greatest of men must own themselves in subjection to God and his word. Saul among the prophets, 1070 BC. 9 And it was so, that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart, and all those signs came to pass that day. 10 And when they came thither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. 11 And it came to pass, when all that knew him beforetime saw that, behold, he prophesied among the prophets, then the people said one to another, What is this that is come unto the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? 12 And one of the same place answered and said, But who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul also among the prophets? 13 And when he had made an end of prophesying, he came to the, to the high place. 14 And Saul's uncle said unto him, and to his servant, Whither went ye? And he said, To seek the asses, and when we saw that they were nowhere, we came to Samuel. 15 And Saul's uncle said, Tell me, I pray thee, what Samuel said unto you. 16 And Saul said unto his uncle, He told us plainly that the asses were found. But of the matter of the kingdom, whereof Samuel spake, he told him not. Saul has now taken his leave of Samuel, much amazed, we may well suppose, at what has been done to him, almost ready to question whether he be awake or no, and whether it be not all a dream. Now here we are told. 1. What occurred by the way, verse 9. Those signs which Samuel had given him came to pass very punctually, but that which gave him the greatest satisfaction of all was this, he found immediately that God had given him another heart. A new fire was kindled in his breast, such as he had never before been acquainted with, seeking the asses is quite out of his mind, and he thinks of nothing but fighting the Philistines, redressing the grievances of Israel, making laws, administering justice, and providing for the public safety, these are the things that now fill his head. He finds himself raised to such a pitch of boldness and bravery, as he never thought he should be conscious of. He has no longer the heart of a husbandman, which is low and mean and narrow, and concerned only about his corn and cattle, but the heart of a statesman, a general, a prince. Whom God calls to any service he will make fit for it. If he advance to another station, he will give another heart, to those who sincerely desire to serve him with their power. 2. What occurred when he came near home? They came to the hill, verse 10, that is, to Gibeah, or Geba, which signifies a hill, and so the Chaldee here takes it as a proper name, he met with the prophets as Samuel had told him, and the Spirit of God came upon him, strongly and suddenly, so the word signifies, but not so as to rest and abide upon him. It came on so as to go off quickly. However, for the present, it had a strange effect upon him, for he immediately joined with the prophets in their devotion, and that with as much decorum and as great a transport of affection as any of them, he prophesied among them. Now, 1. His prophesying was publicly taken notice of, verses 11 and 12. He was now among his acquaintance who, when they saw him among the prophets, called one another to come and see a strange sight. This would prepare them to accept him as a king, though one of themselves, when they had seen how God had advanced him to the honor of a prophet. The seventy elders prophesied before they were made judges, Numbers 11 verse 25. Now 1. They all wondered to see Saul among the prophets, 
what is this that has come to the son of Kish? Though this school of the prophets was near his father's house, yet he had never associated with them, nor shown them any respect, perhaps had sometimes spoken slightly of them, and now to see him prophesying among them was a surprise to them, as it was long after when his namesake, in the New Testament, preached that gospel which he had before persecuted, Acts 9 verse 21. Where God gives another heart it will soon show itself. 2. One of them, that was wiser than the rest, asked, Who is their father, or instructor? Is his not God? Are they not all taught of him? Do they not all owe their gifts to him? And is he limited? Cannot he make Saul, Saul a prophet as well as any of them, if he please? Or, is not Samuel their father? Under God, he was so, and Saul had now lately been with him, which, by his servant, he might know. No marvel for him to prophesy who lay last night under Samuel's roof. 3. It became a proverb, commonly used in Israel, when they would express their wonder at a bad man's either becoming good, or at least being found in good company, is Saul among the prophets. Note, Saul among the prophets is a wonder to a proverb. Let not the worst be despaired of, yet let not an external show of devotion, and a sudden change for the present, be too much relied on, for Saul among the prophets was Saul still. 2. His being anointed was kept private. When he had done prophesying, 1. It should seem he uttered all his words before the Lord, and recommended the affair to his favor, for he went straight to the high place, verse 13, to give God thanks for his mercies to him, and to pray for the continuance of those mercies. But 2. He industriously concealed from his relations what had passed. His uncle, who met with him either at the high place, or as soon as he came home, examined him, verse 14. Saul owned, for his servant knew it, that they had been with Samuel, and that he told them the asses were found, but said not a word of the kingdom, verses 14 and 15. This was an instance, one. Of his humility. Many a one would have been so elated with this surprising elevation as to proclaim it upon the housetop. But Saul, though he might please himself with it in his own breast, did not pride himself in it among his neighbors. The heirs of the kingdom of glory are well enough pleased that the world knows them not, 1 John 3 verse 1. 2. Of his prudence. Had he been forward to proclaim it, he would have been envied, and he knew not what difficulty that might have created him. Samuel had communicated it to him as a secret, and he knows how to keep counsel. Thus it appears that he had another heart, a heart fit for government. 3. Of his dependence upon God. He does not go about to make an interest for himself, but leaves it to God to carry on his own work by Samuel, and, for his own part, sits still, to see how the matter will fall. The election of a king, Saul introduced to the people, 1070 BC. 17 And Samuel called the people together unto the Lord to Mizpeh, 18 And said unto the children of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt, and delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of all kingdoms, and of them that oppressed you, 19 And ye have this day rejected your God, who himself saved you out of all your adversities and your tribulations, and ye have said unto him, Nay, but set a king over us. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes, and by your thousands. 20 And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was taken. 21 When he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was taken, 
and Saul the son of Kish was taken, and when they sought him, he could not be found. 22 Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, if the man should yet come thither. And the Lord answered, Behold, he hath hid himself among the stuff. 23 And they ran and fetched him thence, and when he stood among the people, he was higher than any of the people from his shoulders and upward. 24 And Samuel said to all the people, See ye him whom the Lord hath chosen, that there is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted, and said, God, God save the king. 25 Then Samuel told the people the manner of the kingdom, and wrote it in a book, and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. 26 And Saul also went home to Gibeah, and there went with him a band of men, whose hearts God had touched. 27 But the children of Belial said, How shall this man save us? And they despised him, and brought him no presents. But he held his peace. Saul's nomination to the throne is here made public, in a general assembly of the elders of Israel, the representatives of their respective tribes at Mizpeh. It is probable that this convention of the states was called as soon as conveniently it might, after Saul was anointed, for, if there must be a change in their government, the sooner the better, it might be of bad consequence to be long in the doing. The people having met in a solemn assembly, in which God was in a peculiar manner present, and therefore it is said they were called together unto the Lord, verse 17, Samuel acts for God among them. 1. He reproves them for casting off the government of a prophet, and desiring that of a captain. 1. He shows them, verse 18, how happy they had been under the divine government, when God ruled them, he delivered them out of the hand of those that oppressed them, and what would they desire more? Could the mightiest man of valor do that for them which the Almighty God had done? 2. He likewise shows them, verse 19, what an affront they had put upon God, who had himself saved them out of all their tribulations, by his own po power, and by such as he had immediately called and qualified, in desiring a king to save them. He tells them in plain terms, You have this day rejected your God, you have in effect done it, so he construes it, and he might justly, for your so doing, reject you. Those that can live better by sense than by faith, that stay themselves upon an arm of flesh rather than upon the almighty arm, forsake a fountain of living waters for broken cisterns. And some make their obstinacy in this matter to be a presage of their rejecting Christ, in casting off whom they cast off God, that he should not reign over them. 2. He puts them upon choosing their king by lot. He knew whom God had chosen, and had already anointed him, but he knew also the peevishness of that people and that there were those among them who would not acquiesce in the choice if it depended upon his single testimony, and therefore, that every tribe and every family of the chosen tribe might please themselves with having a chance for it, he calls them to the lot, verse 19. Benjamin is taken out of all the tribes, verse 20, and out of that tribe Saul the son of Kish, verse 21. By this method it would appear to the people, as it already appeared to Samuel, that Saul was appointed of God to be king, for the disposal of the lot is of the Lord. It would also prevent all disputes and exceptions, for the lot causeth contentions to cease, and partaith between the mighty. When the tribe of Benjamin was taken, they might easily foresee that they were setting up a family that would soon be put down again, for dying Jacob had, by the spirit of prophecy, entailed the dominion upon Judah. Judah is the tribe that must rule as a lion, Benjamin shall only raven as a wolf, Genesis 49 verses 10 and 27. 
Those therefore that knew the scriptures could not be very fond of the doing of that which they foresaw must, ere long, be undone again. 3. It is with much ado, and not without further inquiries of the Lord, that, that Saul is at length produced. When the lot fell upon him, every one expected he should answer to his name at the first call, but, instead of that, none of his friends could find him, verse 21, he had hidden himself among the stuff, verse 22, so little fond was he now of that power which yet, when he was in possession of, he could not without the utmost indignation think of parting with. 1. He withdrew, in hopes that, upon his not appearing, they would proceed to another choice, or thus to express his modesty, for, by what had already passed, he knew he must be the man. We may suppose he was at this time really averse to take upon him the government, 1. Because he was conscious to himself of unfitness for so great a trust. He had not been bred up to books or arms or courts, and feared he should be guilty of some fatal blunder. 2. Because it would expose him to the envy of his neighbors that were ill-affected towards him. 3. Because he understood, by what Samuel had said, that the people sinned in asking a king, and it was in anger that God granted their request. 4. Because the affairs of Israel were at this time in a bad posture, the Philistines were strong, the Ammonites threatening, and he must be bold indeed that will set sail in a storm. 2. But the congregation, believing that choice well made which God himself made, would leave no way untried to find him out on whom the lot fell. They inquired of the Lord, either by the high priest, and his breastplate of judgment, or by Samuel, and his spirit of prophecy, and the Lord directed them where they should find him, hidden among the carriages, and thence they fetched him, verse 23. Note, none will be losers at last by their humility and modesty. Honor, like the shadow, follows those that flee from it, but flees from those that pursue it. For Samuel presents him to the people, and they accept him. He needed not to mount the bench or scaffold, to be seen, when he stood upon even ground with the rest he was seen above them all, for he was taller than any of them by head and shoulders, verse 23. Look you, said Samuel, what a king God has chosen for you, just such a one as you wished for, there is none like him among all the people, that has so much majesty in his countenance and such a graceful stateliness in his mien, he is in the crowd like a cedar among the shrubs. Let your own eyes be judges, is he not a brave and gallant man? The people hereupon signified their approbation of the choice, and their acceptance of him, they shouted and said, Let the king live, that is, let him long reign over us in health and prosperity. Subjects were wont to testify their affection and allegiance to their prince by their good wishes, and those turned, as our translation does this, into addresses to God. Psalm 72 verse 15, Prayer shall be made for him continually. See Psalm 20 verse 1. Samuel had told them they would soon be weary of their king, but, in the mind they are now in, they will never be so, let the king live. 5. Samuel settles the original contract between them, and leaves it upon record, verse 25. He had before told them the manner of the king, chapter 8 verse 11, how he would abuse his power, now he tells them the manner of the kingdom, or rather the law, or judgment, or constitution, of it, what power the prince might challenge, and the utmost of the property the subject might claim. He fixed the landmarks between them, that neither might encroach upon the other. Let them rightly understand one another at first, and let the agreement remain in black and white, which will tend to, pres to preserve a good understanding between them ever after. The learned Bishop Patrick thinks he now repeated and registered what he had told them, chapter 8 verse 11, 
of the arbitrary power their kings would assume that it might hereafter be a witness against them that they had drawn the calamity upon themselves, for they were warned what it would come to and yet they would have a king. 6. The convention was dissolved when the solemnity was over, Samuel sent every man to his house. Here were no votes passed, nor, for aught that appears, so much as a motion made, for the raising of money to support the dignity of their new elected king, if therefore he afterwards thinks fit to take what they do not think fit to give, which yet it was necessary that he should have, they must thank them themselves. They went every man to his house, pleased with the name of a king over them, and Saul also went home to Gibeah, to his father's house, not puffed up with the name of a kingdom under him. At Gibeah he had no palace, no throne, no court, yet thither he goes. If he must be a king, as one mindful of the rock out of which he was hewn, he will make his own city the royal city, nor will he be ashamed, as too many are when they are preferred, of his mean relations. Such a humble spirit as this puts a beauty and luster upon great advancements. The condition rising and the mind not rising with it, behold how good and pleasant it is. But. 1. How did the people stand affected to their new king? The generality of them, it should seem, did not show themselves much concerned, they went every man to his own house. Their own domestic affairs lay nearer their hearts than any interests of the public, this was the general temper. But one. There were some so faithful as to attend him, a band of men whose hearts God had touched, verse 26. Not the body of the people, but a small company, who because they were fond of their own choice of a king, or because they had so much more sense than their neighbors as to conclude that if he was a king he ought to be respected accordingly, went with him to Gibeah, as his lifeguard. They were those whose hearts God had touched, in this instance, to do their duty. Note, whatever good there is in us, or is done by us, at any time, it must be ascribed to the grace of God. If the heart bend at any time the right way, it is because he has touched it. One touch is enough, when it is divine. 2. There were others so spiteful as to affront him, children of Belial, men that would endure no yoke, that would be pleased with nothing that either God or Samuel did, they despised him, verse 27, for the meanness of his tribe and family, the smallness of his estate, and the privacy of his education, and they said, How shall this man save us? Yet they did not propose any man more likely, nor, whomsoever they had, must their salvation come from the man, but from God. They would not join with their neighbors in testifying an affection to him and his government, by bringing him presents, or addressing him upon his accession to the crown. Perhaps those discontented spirits were most earnest for a king, and yet, now that they had one, they quarreled with him, because, because he was not altogether such a one as themselves. It was reason enough for them not to like him because others did. Thus differently are men affected to our exalted Redeemer. God hath set him king upon the holy hill of Shaun. There is a remnant that submit to him, rejoice in him, bring him presents, and follow him wherever he goes, and they are those whose hearts God has touched, whom he has made willing in the day of his power. But there are others who despise him, who ask, How shall this man save us? They are offended in him, stumble at his external meanness, and they will be broken by it. 2. How did Saul resent the bad conduct of those that were disaffected to his government? He held his peace. Margin, he was as though he had been deaf. He was so far from resenting it that he seemed not to take notice of it, which was an evidence of his humility and modesty, and the mercifulness of his disposition, and also that he was well satisfied with his title to the crown, 
for those are commonly most jealous of their honor, and most revengeful of affronts, that gain their power by improper means. Christ held his peace when he was affronted, for it was the day of his patience, but there is a day of recompense coming.